0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with the president and CEO of the Canadian Meat Council. Also, federal conservative egg critic John Barlow will join us. And up first in today's country comment, we'll take a look at some of the potential crop disease issues here in 2020. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us on the program today is David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture to talk about some of the potential crop disease issues here in 2020.
1: Based on what happened last year, I don't think that we have any real clear indications of things that are going to be an immediate risk uh, for the coming season. Um, But there are a couple of emerging pests that we really need to be on the lookout for those being club root in canola and uh, now soybean cyst nematode in soybeans. As the season progresses, you can be keeping an eye on your crops at uh, all times or having somebody scout regularly. So you um, key in on patches of the field that are not looking as well as the, the rest of the field and um, then work on diagnosis of the problem, see if it's something that you can intervene, or whether it's uh, maybe a chronic problem like a, a soil issue or a residual herbicide issue, those sorts of things. Not all of the things that look like plant diseases turn out to be pathogenic diseases. Many have abiotic or non-living causes.
0: When looking at field conditions, you know, things are are still pretty wet out there. We might see some of the crops seeded a bit later. Um, Does that have an impact on what diseases might uh, uh, show up?
1: Uh, That's an interesting question, Corey. And um, I think a lot of people are getting antsy about uh, wanting to have their seed in the ground. And it is very wet. And actually, the soil temperatures are cooler than they might be this time of year. Um, So you might want to hold off on some things and not jump the gun or try and get things in too soon. There are some uh, biological indicators in nature that um, kind of like an old wives' tale, but these are things that tell us when um, conditions are prime for planting most crops. I look at Saskatoon's and lilacs to tell me uh, where we're at because the calendar doesn't always line up the same every year. And I would say that those bud indicators are a week to two weeks behind where they were at the same time last year. So, um, yeah, we can be putting things into the ground earlier than we might. Now, a lot of farmers have a lot of ground cover and they're eager to get going. But uh, you've also heard a lot about um, implements getting stuck and uh, tractors getting stuck. The frost is still coming out of the ground in a lot of places.
0: That was David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture talking about some of the potential crop disease issues this year. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Cargill will be shutting down a meat processing plant south of Montreal this week following an outbreak of COVID-19. It's being reported that over 60 employees, or about 13% of workers, have tested positive for the disease. The union representing workers says over 170 employees are at home because they're sick or have come into contact with someone displaying symptoms. A union spokesperson says protective measures were in place at the plant. Farmers may have trouble finding personal protective equipment this year. Colleen Flynn is with Manitoba Agriculture.
2: Some distributors in Manitoba have indicated to us that there are shortages and some longer times to obtain materials such as cartridges and masks, the uh, personal protective equipment used by applicators and growers. And these products are limited due to the necessity and current COVID-19 situation.
0: Flynn notes it's important to always follow label requirements. And the federal government's carbon tax has been hitting everyone in the pocketbook. The opposition Conservatives wanted to know exactly what the costs were for the agriculture sector and put in a formal request through Parliament's order paper question, which means the government has to reveal any work or data collected on the topic. Agriculture critic John Barlow says he was shocked when the government's response came back that the details in those documents were secret.
3: I have a a um, grain operation here in in the southern part of my riding that it can no longer compete on the global market and lost the $2 million contract to Qatar because as a result of the carbon tax, his prices were uncompetitive on the global market. Um, so that's why this information was so critical, is to see um, exactly through the supply chain what the impact has been and what it is costing uh, our producers here domestically, but also on
0: the global market. Barlow says the government needs to be held accountable and is encouraging producers to demand clarity. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Egg Wire for Monday, May 11th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from federal conservative egg critic John Barlow. The federal conservatives say they are shocked by the government's response to reveal the true cost of the carbon tax for agriculture. Egg critic John Barlow says they asked for an order paper question which means the government has to reveal any of the studies or any of the work they did on the carbon tax. Barlow chatted with Golden West's Glendalee Allen-Vossler. As parliamentarians, you can ask order paper questions of the government, questions that you want more information on. And the Conservatives had been asking for more information regarding the cost of the carbon tax. Can you fill us in?
3: We had been asking uh, the Minister of Agriculture since um, the fall, you know, does she know the cost of the carbon tax and the impact it's going to have on Canadian agriculture? And She was initially saying that uh, they weren't collecting data on that. And then we said, well, let's, let's ask an order paper question because they would have to reveal any of the studies or any of the work that they did on the carbon tax and, and its relation to agriculture. Uh, so we finally got um, the response back uh, last week, and the response was that the details and those documents are secret, and uh, the government is not going to allow uh, farmers to see um, the actual d- the data on what the impact of the carbon tax has on agriculture.
1: How surprising is that to you?
3: I was shocked Um you know for a government that is you know allegedly all about open government and transparency and and science-based decision making um, that would say the the financial implications of the carbon tax on our farmers is somehow secret like what kind of of national security issues could the carbon tax possibly warrant um, hiding hiding this from uh, Canadians uh, I find this really despicable that they've labeled this uh, this information as secret.
0: You've been hearing from farmers that the cost with this carbon tax for them is extraordinary.
3: Oh, it's, uh, you know, the, the numbers that we have seen from, from producers are just, uh, you know, shocking when, um, you know, anywhere from, you know, $3,000 to hundreds of thousands of dollars in straight costs, but also, the, the cost that we've seen in lost, um, lost market opportunities. I've, I have a, a grain um, operation here in, in the southern part of my riding that can no longer compete on the global market and lost the $2 million contract to Qatar because as a result of the carbon tax, he, his prices were uncompetitive on the global market. Um, so I, that's why this information was so critical, is to see uh, exactly through the supply chain what the impact has been and what it is costing Uh, our producers here domestically but also on the global market they're so tight on on a on a regular um, operation that when you're adding these costs on and and this is um you know for drying grain heating barns and it it is really hard to even calculate it throughout uh, throughout the supply chain you know you're that farmers are, are price takers they cannot pass those costs on to anywhere else so um the person hauling their fuel the person hauling their cattle uh, hauling their grain. Um, all of those costs are being passed on to producers. And we we also saw from a report from CNNCP uh, that their costs of the carbon tax uh, are going from $17 million uh, this year to $25 million next year. Those costs are being passed directly on to the producer. So they are being hit uh, from multiple angles on this. So to say that the impact of the carbon tax on farmers is secret and something that they are not um, not trusted to know Um, in today's day and age in a democracy this is not democracy you're asking this is taxation without representation we are asking you to pay a tax um, but we are not going to tell you how much it's going to cost you uh, what the what the the impacts of that are going to be uh, and how we came to this decision i find this to be Absolutely disgusting, and um, the government needs to be held accountable for
0: this. That's John Barlow, the Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture and Agri Food Canada. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. Stats Canada released its March stocks report last week. I got the details from John Drieger with Leftfield Commodity Research. You
2: know, the stocks report is, is uh, in some ways, challenged a little bit. Not just in terms of the, uh, uh, you know, some of the some of the issues around with coronavirus and sampling at the survey or, or, or sampling at the uh, at the at the farm level, but but also, uh, and, and it was you know brought up quite a bit when their December report came out. Uh, just some of the challenges of how they're wrestling with dealing with uh, crop that was left in the field. We know there was a decent amount of uh, canola and wheat and. And maybe around the margins, a few other crops that uh, that didn't get harvested, and so somewhere along the line, it's uh, you know it's a little bit of a challenge in terms of how they weave that uh, weave that into the data. But you know, by and large, I, I think it, it again, you know, not a surprise. We see uh, uh, maybe it's a reflection again of a pretty tight canola market. Stocks are are down quite a bit according to the data. We've we've had pretty good demand in canola and. And supplies are down, and so uh, it's it's a market that's been behaving like it's it's reasonably tight. And uh, this stocks data just just you know maybe kind of confirms that here a little bit. Uh, but you know again, with some of the markets that we've seen that have been a little bit stronger, Durham stocks are, are way down uh, compared to, for example, something like uh, like wheat uh, stocks are up year over year. And, and again, not a not a surprise, but maybe as much as anything, just sort of uh, maybe confirming some some trends that uh, that uh, we've been watching here all year.
0: That was John Drieger with Left Field Commodity Research talking about last week's stocks report. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to the farm desk at GoldenWestRadio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Animal Nutrition Conference of Canada has been postponed. Crop Zapalooza 2020 scheduled for July in Carberry has been cancelled. The Manitoba Summer Fair in Brandon has been cancelled this year. The Red River Exhibition has been cancelled. And the 66th Manitoba Threshermen's Reunion and Stampede scheduled for this summer near Austin has been cancelled. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon. Now we're joined by Canadian Meat Council President and CEO Chris White, who talked about last week's federal announcement in response to COVID-19.
4: Certainly, I think industry's uh, pleased. There's been um, an acknowledgement that the challenges that industry has has been dealing with, uh, recognized on the part of government. And I think most importantly, it's a recognition that the mitigation efforts that industry has put in place going forward will have to remain in place. And other measures will likely have to be identified and I think this is um, it's important both for workers in the plants and by obviously extension their families and I think for Canadians as well that there's an understanding that what plants look like pre-COVID are not the way plants are going to be looking um, after the first phase of uh, COVID is done
0: now Chris can you talk a little bit about um, how the money will be used um, uh, some of the measures that'll uh, be put in place
4: Well, most of the measures that um, have been put in place will remain in place. We don't really have details yet. The government has not provided details in terms of what their expectations are in terms of how the money will be used. Our supposition, though, is it will be used for retrofitting, and I think plants will be looking at all options to see how how much more they can do to ensure the uh, safety of workers, first and foremost. So standards uh, or practices, I should say, that are used internationally will be looked at. Uh, perhaps automation will be looked at by some plants, but we don't have the details still on how the, uh, the money is to be flowed.
0: Can you talk a little bit about um, the age of some of these plants and how that uh, might uh, play a factor in, in some of the measures that they'll, they'll need to put in place?
4: I mean, there's no plant that can operate uh, without, without it being up to code. Some plants, I assume you're suggesting, are pretty densely populated, but that's true of most plants, right, just by nature of the work. So I think what companies will be doing is with the mitigation efforts that they put in place to date, they know that those mitigation efforts have to remain in place. So what they'll be trying to figure out is what other best practices uh, either public health authorities have identified or will identify, I should say, because any public health authority that's identified a best practice has already been has already been put in place. We're certainly talking to international counterparts to see how they've dealt with this issue in terms of managing uh, outbreaks in their plants and what efforts they've put in place. So um, I think it's it's more forward-looking, Corey, at this point because we don't know exactly how the money uh, will be flowed. And we're just beginning conversations with the Canadian Food Inspection Agency to have some line of sight in terms of what their expectations are and then industry will also have that opportunity to feed into that
0: process that was chris white he's the president and ceo of the canadian meat council another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment time now for another look at today's farm news the federal conservative shadow minister for agriculture says the government's funding announcement for agriculture last week was underwhelming and disappointing John Barlow says it was a reannouncement of existing programs that have proven not to be effective.
3: This doesn't even cover what they've lost already. And, you know, whether you're a cattle producer, a pork producer, or, or fruit, fruit, and vegetables, um, you know, they've already been suffering uh, hemorrhaging losses, um, you know, due to processing capacity problems, labour issues, uh, lost markets. So this doesn't even cover what they've lost already, let alone um, provide them with some assurance that they're going to be able to um, have the funds to plant this spring and harvest this fall.
0: He says the feedback they've had from industry and agriculture is that the funding announcement is totally insufficient. And with personal protective equipment in short supply this year, Manitoba agriculture is reminding farmers to stay safe. Here's pesticide minor use and regulatory specialist Colleen Flynn. It's important for producers
2: to review the product labels, identify the key products that require respiratory protection and and other personal protection. They can look at their existing inventory and availability of personal protective equipment. And sometimes they can seek alternative products or practices if necessary.
0: Flynn says some items might be in short supply right away, while other items will become scarce later in the year. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program.